Welcome back to the Stop the Violence podcast. Seaspiracy. See motherfucking spiracy. If you haven't seen it yet, go watch it right now. You probably want to watch it before you listen to this episode. Now, whether you are a vegan, a non-vegan, or an anti-vegan, or a vegan activist, I definitely do invite you with, like, welcoming open arms, I guess, to... Well, maybe not arms because we got a social distance, but I, I open you with an open welcome gesture of open arms as you stand six feet away, whether you choose to receive said open arms or not. Um, because I just want to talk about Seaspiracy. Um, I want to go through the facts that Seaspiracy presented, or at least some of them, because, you know, I can't do all of them. It's a 90-minute, I think, film. Um, and then I also want to go over some of the criticism of Seaspiracy. And I think that, you know, we're all capable of coming together and having a civil conversation. So let's do it. The two ends of the argument are basically one end says Seaspiracy is an impactful film that should make everyone want to fully stop all their consumption of seafood for environmental and ethical reasons, including that of, you know, fish feeling pain, not just the environment. And the other end of the argument is Seaspiracy told a bunch of lies and exaggeration. They made their interview interviewed people look really bad and they did more harm than good and they didn't recognize the fact that some fishing is sustainable and that uh, consumers can choose to go for that if they want to and yeah they weren't honest or like I guess just honest with their facts is the other argument but first let's go into our intro topic so Unfortunately, our first topic is really tragic and sad. Um, I'm really sad and sorry to report that uh, over this past week, a JBS worker died in Greeley, Colorado um, by, I guess, basically just being knocked over by the machinery and then something happening, something going wrong to where he was then taken to a hospital and I think died. I'm not sure if he died at the hospital or at the facility, but... If you're unaware, JBS is one of the largest, like, slaughterhouse companies in the entire world. It's massive. I couldn't find too, too much information about this tragedy, but I will play a little news clip. Okay, but first, the updates on the situation is that it was a a five-year-old, wow. Thank goodness it wasn't a five-year-old. A 55-year-old worker dies after an accident at JBS plant in Greeley. Um, A spokesman for the union that represented the man said they would be conducting their own investigation into the incident. We are deeply saddened and our thoughts and prayers are with our team member, his family, co-workers, and friends, a JBS spokesperson said. That just reminds me a lot of, like, what people say after shootings. It doesn't really mean much, you know? Like, are you going to make changes? You know, what are you going to do about it, honestly, besides just send thoughts and prayers? So, I'm looking at a Nine News article, which is, like, a local news for Colorado, where I'm from. So, it's a little nostalgic. But, anyway, 
It says, according to the Greeley Fire Department, firefighters were called to the facility on North 6th Avenue for a report of a party who had fallen. A party who had fallen? Just say a person. So weird. I swear the wording of things is sometimes so weird. They arrived to find that Jonathan Durist, 55, had fallen and had been extricated by co-workers who then moved him into a safe location for treatment. Um, I feel like it's kind of interesting how they just say fallen. Like, why did he fall? What caused him to fall? You know, people don't usually randomly fall on the ground and die. Like, they're not being honest about the fact that there's probably some extremely terrifying machinery that knocked him down. And that sucks. And the other interesting thing about this article is it says that the union is conducting their own investigation into the incident. Like, what does that mean? What does that, like, exactly mean? Because to me, that seems like it would mean we're kind of hiding what really happened and, you know, everyone hush up about it and don't worry about it. That's what it kind of means to me. If you're unaware, human rights violations are a huge thing in so many industries of animal agriculture, as well as fishing, as you will hear later on. So if you want to check out my episode, I I did a lot of research into it. It's called um, Paying for Animal Products Equals Paying for Human Rights Violations. It talks about how dangerous of a job slaughter work is, how people are always losing limbs, and people are dying, and it's like on one of the top most dangerous jobs. Um, Interesting enough, I think the most dangerous job is actually fishing and like going on boats into the ocean and fishing, which we'll get to in this episode. But there's a lot of ways in which slaughter workers are exploited. For example, many of them are minorities, many of them are immigrants, and they have their immigration status used and threatened against them whenever they mess up, which even includes like taking bathroom breaks, something as simple as that. It's threatened against them and they're expected to keep going even when they have injuries and it's all behind closed doors and the Human Rights Watch actually is, which is not a vegan organization at all, it's a human rights organization, like list slaughter workers uh, or slaughter work, excuse me, as, you know, a huge like human rights violation. It's on their list. Okay, and so here's the very short news clip about this. New tonight, a worker at the JBS meatpacking plant in Greeley dies in what appears to be a tragic accident. The union representing the worker says it appears that worker drowned after machinery knocked the worker unconscious. The coroner will release the worker's official cause of death. Okay, so, and I'm always critical of the media, like I don't just take everything that the news says as truth, but... It is worth noting that they say in this report that he was knocked over by machinery and drowned. I'm not exactly sure what it is he drowned in because this is like a cattle slaughterhouse. And so I'm not like, like I know with pigs and with chickens, they send them in electric baths a lot of the times to get their fur off and um, also to stun them. Um, in the case of chickens. And so I'm not like totally sure what he drowned in. Um, But either way, I think it's clear that we all know he didn't just, like, walk along and slip on a banana peel. Like, this machinery is dangerous. It's supposed to be dangerous. It's supposed to commit mass slaughter all day, every day. And it doesn't know that you're not an animal. So, 
it's just I shouldn't have to explain this but it's a really dangerous job and it's funny because in this news clip I watch it and it just shows like random clips of like outside of the building and it's like that's probably all that they would allow the news to show they probably didn't even like allow them on the property they probably parked on the side because these places are extremely secretive and they are not just willing to like let visitors come in and see how things are like they're hiding shit but anyway that's that's obviously a tragedy and my heart goes out to the victim and the victim's family and i hope that people who buy meat can keep stories like this in mind you know if they don't have any heart to care about animals whatsoever try and care about the humans that are involved in this a little bit and you might say like oh well there's other factories and outside of animal ag and that's true and you can also boycott those in a lot of ways by living a more minimalistic lifestyle which i try and do and i try and promote but you really can't tell me that other factories that don't have literal death killing machines are as dangerous as the ones that do. For those who don't know, I used to go to college at Colorado State University in Fort Collins, Colorado, which is very near Greeley. And I, I've never really been, that's not true, I have been to Greeley, but I remember driving through Greeley on my way from Denver up to Fort Collins and the smell in Greeley was so awful and I just never thought about it like I knew it had to do with cows I knew there was cows I knew like oh it's just like there's a lot of cows there there's cow farms so that's why but I didn't like know that it was because there was slaughterhouses and I didn't like think very deeply about why the smell was there what the smell was and the fact that it wasn't just manure because you know at the end of the day manure is not as bad as the smell of freaking death <laughs> Like, manure is not going to permeate everything around it for miles and miles. That's all I'm going to say. Okay, so next topic is actually relating to the CDC. Everyone loves the CDC. Everyone listens to everything the CDC says, right? Well, listen to what they said about the number one killer for 2020. Because guess what? It wasn't coronavirus. And neither was the number two killer. What were they? Heart disease was the number one killer. And cancer was the number two killer. Coronavirus was the number three killer. Now, as most of us know and validate and agree, heart disease is caused by our lifestyle. And is it's one of those things that is pretty preventable through good lifestyle choices. Um, look into nutritionfacts.org. It's a website, a nonprofit that has peer-reviewed scientific-backed nutrition data and facts. And it's a great resource. It's run by Dr. Michael Greger, who also has two really good books, How Not to Die and How Not to Diet. And there's other plant-based doctors. Look into the Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine, because if you didn't know, most doctors are not required to have very much nutrition courses at all. 
like 12 hours in some cases or even zero hours of nutrition is required to be a doctor. And they're more trained on how to treat symptoms rather than the cause of the symptom. And they're more trained to prescribe pills and work with, you know, big pharma than they are to actually coach people on lifestyle and things like that. So, you know, take what your doctor says with a grain of salt. There are plant-based doctors out there who actually have studied nutrition. The peer-reviewed science just does not lie when it comes to the fact that we don't need animal products and we are better off without them. There's also the statement by the American Dietetic Association and many other similar associations throughout the world in various countries that state that when properly planned, a vegan diet is healthy and adequate for all stages of life and can help prevent certain diseases, including heart disease and many types of cancers. Um, Dr. Greger's book, How Not to Die, goes into a lot of detail on preventing all sorts of diseases, like basically all of our top killers aside from things like accidents. Although, as we just heard, many accidents are still caused in a roundabout way by animal agriculture. But yeah, when you actually look into the peer-reviewed science and studies that aren't funded by the industries themselves, such as the American Egg Board, for example, it's not looking too good for animal products. Which is why carnivore diet cookbooks have to resort to citing blogs when they promote their quote facts for how a carnivore diet is so good for you. Not even fucking kidding. If you watch my YouTube channel, my vlogs, you'll see that when we were browsing at Barnes & Noble, we found this carnivore cookbook. We opened it up. We saw this claim about, like, wheat being worse for you than a meat. And their citation for this, we looked it up, was literally some random person's blog article. So you got to compare that to peer-reviewed science and ask yourself, like, which one's probably closer to the truth? So let's get into the facts of the Seaspiracy documentary that has been rocking the world this past week or so. Now, it is worth noting that when when it comes to, like, cowspiracy, you can go to their website and find a fact sheet where they, you know, detail all the facts and provide the citation that fact came from. Um... And Seaspiracy, when I go on their website, seaspiracy.org, and I go to fact sheet, it says fact sheet coming this week. I'm not sure why that is. I'm not sure why it wasn't prepared. Um, maybe they had to edit or fix something. I'm not really sure. Um, I'm a little sad that it's not out yet, I'll be honest. So, you know, I didn't take notes while I was watching the film because I was just trying to really engross myself in the film. Um, but I, I wrote down facts from, you know, looking them up on the internet later. Um, and they're not just random. They are from the film, though. And then some of the facts also come from Surge Activism, which is Earthling Ed's um, group. And Earthling Ed is definitely, like, a reputable guy. He always has legit peer-reviewed science. And so that's what I'm going to read off. So, first of all, 46% of the Great Pacific Garbage Patch, which is this giant, like, I think Texas-sized mass of plastic waste in the ocean, is made up of fishing nets, 
46% of it. Um, they noted that straws only make up 0.03% of that. Um, excuse my throat, which just made a weird noise. Um, but um, they, they include that because, you know, there's a lot of popularity behind giving up plastic straws and like save the fish, save the sea turtles, don't use straws, which a bunch of people got behind because let's face it, it's incredibly fucking easy to not use a straw and people feel really good like they're doing something. However, if they really want to feel good like they're doing something, they need to give up seafood and go vegan altogether. But wait, isn't some seafood sustainable? We'll get to that. We'll get to that. So I also learned that over 300,000 whales and dolphins are killed each year as a result of bycatch. So bycatch means that they were trying to fish something else like tuna, for example, but they do these giant nets where they drag them across the bottom of the ocean. I think that's called bottom trolling. Let me check myself. Hold on. It's bottom trawling, not bottom trolleying. So bottom trawling, um, it disturbs the seafloor because they pull this giant ass net across the bottom and it damages the corals. It catches literally everything in its path. And then the other kind is long lining, which is a commercial fishing method that gets its name from the long horizontal fishing line, which is up to a mile in length. Um, and yeah. <laughs> So that's a huge amount of animals who are vital to the ecosystem of the ocean who are dying for literally no reason. You know, I would say that the other fish that actually do end up getting eaten are also dying for no reason because we literally have no reason to eat fish. Like, try and tell me that there's a reason to eat fish. The only reason that there could ever be to eat fish is if you literally live in a place where you can't eat anything else. And let's all be honest, everyone here in this conversation is not in that situation. But I'm getting a little ahead of myself. So as well, globally, only 1,000 sea turtle deaths per year are caused by plastic, which, you know, is what everyone's worried about and what everyone thinks is killing sea turtles. Um, but in the U.S. alone, 250,000 sea turtles are captured, injured, or killed every year by fishing vessels. So, you know, going to a restaurant and eating fish and not using a straw thinking you're going to save sea turtles is, you know, it would be humorous if it wasn't so tragic. So this type of fishing, and I think they're referring to bottom trawling, is more harmful than oil spills. The fishing industry of the Gulf of Mexico destroys more animals in one day than the Deepwater Horizon oil spill did in months. Like, isn't that fucking crazy? Do you remember when, like, the BP oil spill happened and, like, everyone boycotted BP because they were killing animals and harming the ocean? Imagine that the, the seafood industries are doing more harm than that did in months. And I know that they were referring to the Horizon oil spill, but, you know, I'm assuming that it's not too different. Imagine if the fishing industry does that more in one day or more in a shorter amount of time than an oil spill. Like, that is actually mind-boggling. And yet we don't see people boycotting seafood. Well, largely because they don't know. No one tells anyone that they're killing more animals and damaging more of the ocean than a damn oil spill. 
That's insane to me. So, Seaspiracy also talked about the fact that a lot of dolphins are killed for the demand of dolphins for entertainment. In Taiji, Japan, from 2000 to 2015, 12 dolphins were unnecessarily killed for every one dolphin captured. That's really fucking stupid. So, think about that next time you want to go to SeaWorld. The documentary also said that fishermen view dolphins as competition because dolphins are eating all the fish that they want to catch, and so that results in their slaughter as well. Now, perhaps one of the most harrowing facts from the film is that there is a lot of human slavery involved in the seafood industries, which is literal fact, you know. We'll get to, like, you know, the other people at the end of this, but they don't even try and refute this fact. It's a fact. So, are you really gonna risk paying for literal human slavery by buying seafood? Like, are you really that selfish? Please watch Seaspiracy. I wish I could, like, play a clip, um, but I can't find any on the internet. They interview survivors of this human slavery or people who are still involved in it. I'm assuming they're survivors that are like out of it now, but they even had to protect their identities and, you know, people get killed, they get pushed off the ships, um, they're abused, they, they cry and scream for help when other people see them, they, they beg for food when they're seen by others, it, it literally, like, the way they described what they went through, it sounds like the worst fucking hell on earth that I could ever imagine. All of that, and on top of it being in the middle of the ocean where no one can help you. It's absolutely, it's one of the most disgusting things I've ever heard in my whole fucking life. And like I said the, before, that's also not even accounting for the fact that if there's not slavery on the ship, it just is one of the most dangerous jobs if not the most dangerous job. Um, they're, they're in perilous conditions with 24,000 dying on the job every year. And I just double-checked. According to Google, it is the second most dangerous job behind logging. Many of the slaves that they interviewed and the slaves in the industry in general are for shrimp, and they are linked to retailers all over the world, including in the U.S. and the U.K. that sell shrimp linked to these human slavery supply chains. Which is so fucked because shrimp is not even that fucking good. It's not good. Like, let's all be honest. The only reason it's good is because cocktail sauce tastes good. And I'm pretty sure cocktail sauce is vegan. If not, it can be easily made vegan. They have vegan shrimp that literally looks exactly like shrimp. And I haven't tried it, but it probably tastes exactly the same because it's really not hard to make vegan food that tastes the same as the cruelty versions. And by the way, they have shit inside of them. You can see it. You know, I remember seeing that when I used to eat shrimp before I was vegan and didn't know anything. You want to really eat shit so that humans can be enslaved? I mean, do you want humans to be enslaved so that you can eat shit? That's what I meant. So that you can eat these little, basically, insects of the ocean that eat all of the poop and little tiny stuff in the ocean. Like, that's really what you want to put in your body and have humans be enslaved for it. And I'm, I'm looking on ForksOverKnives.com for, like, 
to help me summarize things because again I didn't take notes while I watched the film but apparently there's overfishing that depletes the oceans um, which causes fishing operations to compete for fewer and fewer fish resulting in violent territory disputes between rival vessels. We also learned that seafood that is labeled as sustainable or ethical um, means less than you might hope it means. Uh, the fisheries can have significant levels of bycatch while still earning the Marine Stewardship Council's Certified Sustainable Stamp and the Earth Island Institute's Dolphin Safe label, which is often found on tuna cans, can't guarantee that no dolphins were killed in the process of catching tuna, um, which is also, again, in the film. In other words, it's really easy to slap on a label that means nothing. Just think of it the same way as humane being slapped on meat, free range being slapped on eggs. It all means nothing. It's just a marketing scheme to make the consumer feel less guilty about something that they frankly should feel guilty about. It's an also important to point out that farmed fish are, aka aquaculture, are, you know, they claim to be sustainable and, you know, not as bad as wild fishing, but these farmed fish are fed fish meal, which requires large quantities of wild fish to produce. Um, so it's really just wild fishing as in disguised, the film says. We also learned that the ocean helps regulate temperature and produces over half the world's oxygen and absorbs 50 times more carbon dioxide than our atmosphere. I didn't fucking know that. Holy shit. And that's um, due to, like, phytoplankton and things like that. Um, but global warming, rising sea levels, coral bleaching, and overfishing are devastating the oceans. Like, what the fuck are we doing? You know, there's already problems with the atmosphere. Why are we also going to fuck up our ocean and plow down our rainforest? It's all just maddening. Another fact is that the fishing industry is responsible for over 640,000 tons of nets, traps, lines, and other plastic pollution every year. And it said that um, overfishing has exhausted 90% of the world's fish population according to FAO data. And 50 million sharks are unintentionally caught as bycatch each year, which is not good for the ecosystem. And as we probably all know, so many different shark species are extremely endangered at this point. The fishing industry has caused a 60% decline in shark numbers in Costa Rican waters. This is frustrating. Like, 10% to 40% of all fish caught are just bycatch. So how can that be efficient? How can that be sustainable? Make it make sense. And this is just fucking deeply disturbing and I want pescatarians to also pay attention to this, but one third of the fish caught are used to feed farmed animals, including farmed fish, but also pigs and chickens. What the fuck? And I'm getting into some of the stats from Surge Activism's website. Um, but 70% of macroplastics found floating on the surface of the ocean are fishing related. Um, also, it can take up to five pounds of ocean fish to produce just one pound of farmed salmon. So how the fuck are you going to tell me that's sustainable? Literally how? 
Like, do you really have to eat something that many people complain is too fishy tasting? Like, my, my soy boyfriend's sister, um, I reluctantly went to her birthday dinner with her. I had vegan sushi and she had, like, steak and fish sushi and all this stuff on the other end of the table. I was gagging. I was sad because, you know, in my eyes, that's a cow and that's a fish who wanted to live and who suffered. And she literally sent back a whole plate of fish sushi complaining that it tasted too fishy. And I know you know that that happens all the time. So why the fuck are we trying to eat fish then if half the time it tastes too fishy to us and we want to send it back? Why the fuck are we eating this food that like makes our vaginas smell bad? <laughs> like, honestly, <laughs> everyone knows if you eat like mangoes and pineapples, your vaginas and wieners will smell good. I don't mean to go off on this rant, but like, honestly, Fish is gross. Have you ever smelled it? Honestly. <laughs> so farmed shrimp is responsible for the destruction of 45% of the mangroves in Bangladesh and 50 to 65% of mangroves in Thailand. Mangroves are effective at sequestering carbon, so this results in carbon released back into the atmosphere. Not fucking good, in other words. A two-acre salmon farm produces as much waste as a town of 10,000 people, apparently. What the fuck? So, those are just some of the facts. Of course, there's many more. It's a 90-minute film. Please go watch it. Um, but it's really worth noting that, apparently, there have been leaked documents from the fishing industry to expose their plan to attack Seaspiracy's Netflix release. This is according to Plant-Based News and Mike the Vegan, who I consider both of them reputable sources who, you know, cite peer-reviewed science and are legit. So I guess it was a leaked member alert by the largest fishing industry organization in the U.S. and it pretty much shows that they're scared of the documentary release and this member alert went out before the documentary was even out so that's very important to keep in mind and these leaked documents said that the media strategy will be to combat inaccuracies and highlight netflix lack of oversight when it comes to the presentation of the facts but this was before the film came out so how do they even know what facts are being said before the film even came out that just goes to show that they're not really concerned with truth or reality or facts. They're just concerned with how their industry is being made to look. Really pathetic. Which is going to tie in nicely to, you know, the criticism that I'm going to go over in just a minute. But first, a couple more things from the Mike the Vegan's video about slavery in the industry. He did note that a lot of the rebuttals are like, but... The seafood industry creates jobs and he does note that that's exactly what the fossil fuel industry's argument is is like it creates jobs and he noted that jobs does not equal ethical so this is absolutely mind-blowing and i'm not even really sure if i'm fully able to comprehend this but uh there is a study that says see that's called sorry seeing slavery in seafood supply chains and here's a quote. In 2016, widespread forced labor in seafood work was reported in 47 countries 
with incidents reported in additional countries, including New Zealand, Ireland, the United States, and Taiwan. And according to Supply Chain Dive, the fishing industry accounts for 11% of the global enslaved population. So let me get this straight. We can make sure that we're not paying for at least 11% of the global enslaved population. But the taste of seafood is more important, right? The taste of seafood that can be literally mimicked in a vegan version? Yeah, okay. So the National Fisheries Institute, which put out this, you know, message to its members, um, there are slaves that are beaten and killed that are tracked to stores such as Walmart, and Walmart is a National Fisheries Institute member. Whole Foods is also a National Fisheries Institute member, and Whole Foods has been linked to buying shrimp that has slavery and then, you know, responding like, oh, but our shrimp is different, it's not from there, and then still paying for it even after it's, like, brought up to them. Two more facts that I learned from the Mike the Vegan video are that Bumblebee Foods buys from the slave labor tuna, and also there's a quote that says, Modern slavery is endemic in the fishing industry where the tuna supply chain is remote, complex, and opaque. So basically, when it comes to tuna fishing, it's really fucking hard to regulate and witness and see the fact that there's human slavery. It's really easy for them to hide. Think about it. They're in the middle of the ocean, you know, whatever. And all of these facts are not even getting into the fish-feel-pain argument. Like, you can't even argue against that because it's just the truth. They have a brain and a central nervous system. Like, what else do you want? They suffer and you really can't argue at the end of the day with the ethics as far as the animal suffering with any animal, including fish. And the person, the people, the two women actually on this podcast I'm going to uh, address here, both don't even make any attempt to argue the ethics and to argue against the fact that fish feel pain. So in all reality, that should be the end of the discussion. Everything else, you know, this whole notion that maybe some seafood is technically sustainable and technically doesn't pollute. If you find some fisherman and become friends with him and watch the whole process, which no one's going to fucking do that. No one's going to do that. But, you know, in this nice world of yours that you think people are going to do that, even if they do and it doesn't damage the ocean and it is sustainable and it doesn't pollute and it doesn't kill other bycatch of animals that we happen to think have value to live because they're cuter, such as dolphins, it doesn't fucking matter because the fish that that perfect, nice, wholesome fish fishermen catches still suffer and feel pain and we still don't need to eat that fish's body for any reason at all and i would love to hear the two women on this podcast try and argue with me about the ethics and about the fact that we just don't need to do it we just don't need to eat seafood 
So how about let's just fucking not eat seafood? Let's actually care about something more than our selfish gluttony. A concept. So I typed Seaspiracy into Spotify and the first podcast that came up at the time of me typing it was titled Seaspiracy and Sustainable Fisheries with Emily D'Souza and the podcast is titled Intertidal Talks and it's hosted by a marine biologist. I listened to another podcast of somebody who didn't like Seaspiracy and I looked around for the arguments against Seaspiracy and unsurprisingly, as the document I discussed a moment ago said, the plan of attack they're going with is that Netflix didn't handle the facts correctly and stuff like that. And we're going to get to that, what facts they, you know, supposedly didn't handle correctly. But at the end of the day, even if all the facts in Seaspiracy about human slavery, about the plastic, about the pollution, about the nets, about the bycatch, etc., etc., even if, you know, none of that was true. Let's just let's just hypothetically say every fact in Seaspiracy was false except for, you know, fish do feel pain because no one can refute that. It doesn't really fucking matter because it is time that we stop valuing some lives more than other lives and just massively committing genocide and mass slaughter on a group of animals because they're not cute to us and because we like the taste of them and for no other reason. Like, that really should be the end of the discussion. Try some empathy. Try asking yourself, why don't I stab a hook into a dog's mouth and drag them into a lake? Like, why is that not right? Why, wouldn't I, why would that not be a fun Sunday activity? Ask yourself, would you want to be suffocated and have a hook stabbed through your mouth? Would you want to slowly die from suffocating or from being put into ice or from being stabbed on the deck of a boat when all you've known is the ocean and you're pulled out into the air and you don't, you're in shock and you don't know what's going on and you die slowly and all your friends around you are dying and there's blood everywhere. Would you want that to happen to you? Would you want that to happen to your dog or cat or to your loved one? Like, that should be the end of this conversation. What's more important, taste or life? Okay, so that's the first and most important point, in my opinion, of, like, this whole anti-seaspiracy podcast. They admitted they couldn't argue with the ethics of fish feeling pain and whatnot, and they did not even attempt. Um, one of them admitted that her whole career was based on holding a grudge from being kicked out of Sea Shepherd. She literally said that. Um, apparently she was in Sea Shepherd, which is featured in Seaspiracy. Um, look them up. I don't want to, like, spend too much time explaining them. But apparently she thought that, you know, Sea Shepherd is a vegan group that seeks to protect animals and to protect the oceans and to protect the humans enslaved on the oceans and stuff. Um, and they sink ships, but they don't kill people when they do it. And they tried to say in this podcast that they did kill someone and they weren't sure and that they would provide proof if they found out that was true. And I looked all over their description and they did not provide any proof. So I'm going to go ahead and say that that's not true. Um, but anyway, so this lady thought 
that she could stay in Sea Shepherd while also hosting a, quote, sustainable fishing, unquote, event. And then she was shocked and surprised when Sea Shepherd kicked him that her out. Sorry. That would be like me, you know, I'm in Vegan Activist Alliance. That would be like me not being vegan anymore and still expecting to be able to go do outreach and go do activism with Vegan Activist Alliance. Obviously, that's not a thing. And people are going to act like, oh, well, vegans are in this exclusive club. Well, if you're not vegan, you're not vegan. Like, it's not, like, difficult. <laughs> so I go into this podcast with an open mind and I'm like, oh, did Seaspiracy, like, get a bunch of facts wrong? Like, what are the facts that they got wrong? And I listened with a very open ear and throughout the whole podcast, the only thing that the only things that they really had a problem with were the difference between overfishing and fishing to capacity, which who fucking cares? Neither one of them are good. Neither one of them are necessary. And the only actual fact that they had like a dispute for was the claim that by 2048, we will see fishless oceans. So let's let's go ahead and say that that claim is trash. It's wrong throw it out, whatever. It doesn't fucking matter because fish still feel pain. End of discussion. <laughs> but not only that, but if it's not 2048, then it's probably 20 something else. And even if it's not in our lifetime, it's still gonna happen. So saying like, whoa, well, it's not 2048. <laughs> Score against you, vegans. It doesn't fucking matter because we are still trending that way. And it's only going to get worse because the human population and demand for animal products, assuming that vegans don't change the world, is only going to increase. So, congratulations, I guess. It doesn't fucking matter, though. Because it's going to happen eventually. So what is your goddamn point? So I took it upon myself to read this story, uh, story, sorry, study that they linked that said, like, this whole 2048 fishing thing is wrong. They've retracted their statement. And I'm just going to read a couple things from the study that they cited for saying that it's wrong and stuff. <laughs> the study talks about how, you know, overfishing is damaging. And how it causes ecological surprises such as predator-prey reversals, trophic cascades, and the projected, or, yeah, projected local extinction of formerly dominant species. It goes on to say that research on the Georges Bank closed area and in marine protected areas worldwide has shown how some of these changes may reverse when predatory fish are allowed to recover. Some of them may reverse. That doesn't sound that promising to me. Another part of the study that says trends in species collapses. Theory suggests that increasing in fishing pressure, even at levels below MMSY, cause an increasing number of target and non-target species to collapse. Reductions in fishing pressure are predicted to reverse this trajectory, at least partially, note, at least partially, by using biomass data from the stock... Okay, hold on. I'm going to skip over the stats and stuff because that's just weird to read out. 
It goes on and says, this estimate is in the same range as figures provided by the United Nations Food and Agriculture Organization, or FAO, which estimated that 19% of stocks were overexploited and 9% depleted or recovering from depletion in 2007. Collapse trends vary substantially by region. The eastern Bering Sea had few assessed fish stocks collapsed, whereas collapses strongly increased to more than 60% of assessed stocks in eastern Canada and more than 25% on the northeast U.S. shelf. Another part of their study that they cited says, It appears that recent rebuilding efforts, although successful in reducing exploitation rates in several ecosystems, have not yet reversed a general trend of increasing depletion of individual stocks. And I'm just going to continue reading if you don't mind. It says, This matches the model-derived prediction that reduction of exploitation rate to the level that produces MMSY will still keep a number of vulnerable species collapsed. Rebuilding these collapsed stocks may require trading off short-term yields for conservation benefits or, alternatively, more selective targeting of species that can sustain current levels of fishing pressure while protecting others from over-exploitation. Small-scale fisheries, which is what this person's advocating for. Fish or invertebrate stocks that are scientifically assessed or appear in research trawl surveys constitute only a fraction of fishing's us. Uh, sorry, only a fraction of fisheries worldwide. Let me just repeat that. What this girl's promoting constitutes only a fraction of fisheries worldwide, which is an important caveat to the above discussion. Moreover, they represent a non-random sample dominated by valuable industrial fisheries with some form of management in developed countries. The information on other fisheries, particularly small-scale artisanal and recreational fisheries, is scarcer, less accessible, and more difficult to interpret. This is because small-scale fisheries are harder to track with 12 million fishers compared with 0.5 million in the industrialized fisheries, and assessments or survey data are often lacking. Small-scale fisheries catches are also poorly reported. The best global estimate is about 21 million tons in 2000, which is quite a while ago. Conventional management tools used for industrial fisheries are generally unreforceable in small-scale fisheries regions. Um, and it goes on. Read the study yourself. This is what she put forward as proving that the 2048 claim is wrong. And it's still not looking very good. If I'm, unless I'm like not understanding it correctly, it sounds like it's not looking very good for them. It kind of goes on to talk about how we can encourage some fisheries to be more sustainable with economic incentives and, um, but it also says, we emphasize that the feasibility and value of different management tools depends heavily on local characteristics of the fisheries ecosystem and governance system. For example, the most important element of small-scale fisheries success has been community-based management in which local communities develop context-dependent solutions for matching exploitation rates to the productivity of local resources. A combination of diverse tools such as catch restrictions, gear modifications, 
Enclosed areas is typically required to meet both fisheries and conservation objectives. To me, when I read that, that just sounds like a lot of work. That sounds like a lot of rules and a lot of oversight that's required. It just seems like to me it would be easier to just ditch fishing. I don't know. Am I ignorant? <laughs> I don't know. Like, is it really realistic to expect, like, all these fisheries to do all these things and follow all these rules? I don't think it is. It also says that most rebuilding efforts only begin after there is drastic and undeniable evidence of overexploitation. The inherent uncertainty in fisheries, however, requires that agencies act before it comes to that stage. Um, and then I'll skip a couple of sentences, but it says that we found that only Alaska and New Zealand seem to have acted with such foresight, whereas other areas experience systemic overexploitation. The data that we have compiled cannot resolve why inherently complex fish fisher management systems behave differently in these cases. Possible factors are a combination of abundant resources and low human population, slow development of domestic fisheries, and little interference from international fleets. It would be an important next step to dissect the underlying socio-economic and ecological variables that enabled some regions to conserve, restore, and rebuild marine resources. In other words, it's not very easy to do that. That's what I'm interpreting, at least. I know studies are kind of hard to interpret, but that's, like, how I'm receiving it. Let me know if you agree or disagree. I don't want to read too much more because I don't want to take up too much more time, but I just feel like this... I mean, this is their own study that they <laughs> put on there, but, um... So, problems for rebuilding. Despite local successes, it has also become evident that rebuilding efforts can encounter significant problems and short-term costs. On a regional scale, the reduction of quotas, fishing effort, and overcapacity eliminates jobs, at least in the short term. Initial losses may create strong resistance from fisheries-dependent communities through the political process. For instance, in the United States, where 67 overfished stocks have rebuilding plans, 45% of those were still being overfished in 2006, whereas only three stocks had been rebuilt at that time. This problem is exacerbated by the fact that the recovery of depleted stocks can take years or even decades, and during this time, catches may be dramatically reduced. Furthermore, government subsidies often promote overfishing. Key. Key here. And overcapacity and need to be reduced against the interests of those who receive them. Lastly, there is the problem of unreported and illegal fishing, which can seriously undermine rebuilding efforts. Illegal and unreported catches vary between regions, ranging from, uh, ranging between an estimated 3% of total catch in the Northeast Pacific to 37% in the East Central Atlantic, with a global average of 18% in 2000 to 2003. So to me, it seems like, you know, this whole sustainable fishing thing is not really a very likely solution that's actually gonna happen and to me I would say that a better and arguably easier way to combat this issue is to get the consumers of this world to not consume the fish anymore and to have an alternative for them which for a lot of the planet I would even say a majority of the planet is not that hard to do um, I know that there are places in this world where people genuinely do depend on fish, but 
I think that's a small amount. And so technically speaking, that's not really what the problem here is. The problem here is like the overfishing from governments to provide people who who really don't even need these products, who can eat plants instead. So I just, I don't not understand why anyone would be like against the vegan message and against promoting like just switching to alternatives or just omitting seafood in general because we don't fucking need it. There's no science that says we do. We can get omegas from the algae. That's where the fish get them. Okay, I lied. I need to read one more section that I just, that caught my eye. So... Almost all of the fish caught by foreign fleets is consumed in industrialized countries and may threaten regional food security and biodiversity in the developing world. Clearly, more global oversight is needed to ensure that rebuilding efforts in some regions do not cause problems elsewhere. For example, fishing vessels removed in effort reduction schemes would ideally be prohibited from migrating to other regions and exacerbating existing problems with overcapacity and overexploitation. So what I'm getting from this is kind of like supporting what I just said, where in industrialized countries, which I'm assuming are like more developed countries, uh, that's where a lot of this fishing that's being done in foreign areas is going to, being sent to, and like we don't fucking need it and it seems like with these efforts instead of just not fishing they go somewhere else and then when they go somewhere else they just devastate that area that they go to like that's what I'm understanding from this like let me know if I'm totally interpreting it wrong but that's like what I'm getting from this and it goes on to say Rebuilding efforts raise a number of scientific questions. Recovery of depleted stocks is still a poorly understood process, particularly for demersal species. And I'm sorry, but I'm just going to read a bit more because I do think that it's important. So, it is... um, It is potentially constrained by the magnitude of previous decline, the loss of biodiversity, species, life histories, species interactions and climate. Yet many examples of recovery exist, both in protected areas and in large-scale ecosystems where exploitation was substantially reduced. A better understanding of how to predict and better manage for recovery will require insight into the resilience and productivity of individual populations and their communities. So basically, they don't know that much, is kind of what I'm getting from that. And it's complicated. And I would interject that going vegan is like not complicated (laughs) but you know whatever so here are the conclusions of the research that they quoted marine ecosystems are currently subjected to a range of exploitation rates resulting in a mosaic of stable declining collapse and rebuilding fish stocks and ecosystems management actions have achieved measurable reductions in exploitation rates in some regions but a significant fraction of stocks will remain collapsed unless there are further reductions in exploitation rates. Unfortunately, effective controls on exploitation rates are still lacking in vast areas of the ocean, including those beyond national jurisdiction. Ecosystems examined in this paper account for less than a quarter of world fisheries area and catch, and lightly to moderately fished and rebuilding ecosystems comprise less than half of those. They may best inter- uh, 
They may best be interpreted as large-scale restoration experiments that demonstrate opportunities for successfully rebuilding marine resources elsewhere. The conclusion basically goes on to say that if we try really hard and we have all these rules and regulations and we dramatically decrease how much fishing is happening, we might be able to be okay. And, I mean, I just don't see how that's, like, an argument for seafood. It sounds a lot like an argument against seafood to me. It sounds like they're saying that making it sustainable is, is like, a nice idea, but it would require all these really difficult things and politics and whatnot, and it's probably not going to happen. <laughs> And again, reinforce that it's it's people in countries like the U.S. and things that have abundant ability to eat something besides seafood that are responsible for this demand and that the demand is fucking up these areas where people actually do depend on fish to live. Um, that's how I'm getting it, at least. And it just seems like it would be better to just not eat seafood because we don't fucking need to. So even if the 2048 claim is false, which I don't even see where in the paper it says that, but whatever, we'll just say that it's false. What does it fucking matter? What does it matter? Worst case scenario is that the 2048 claim exaggerates and it's not going to happen that soon. What does that fucking matter? Okay, I apologize at how long that took. Um, so their next point was like, you have to have observers uh, um, legally. You can't not have observers like the film claims. Um, the only thing I would say to that is that people don't always follow the rules. You know, it's in your own paper. There's illegal fishing practices going on all the time. It doesn't really mean much. Another point they made and this fucking blew my mind I was shocked because <laughs> I did not get this at all from the film but this is what they got from the film that the movie promotes Asian people are bad black people are oppressed and white people are the savior and they say that it's you know the film is about white environmental white environmental activists being the main people and they didn't interview people living on the coast and and that it's like this white savior complex. And I'm just mind fucking blown. I'm mind blown. That's what you got from this film? That white people want to be saviors and make Asian people look bad? Are you fucking serious? That's awfully convenient that you're saying that after the Asian shooting and after the Asian hate going on with the pandemic. Anyone with more than two brain cells to rub together understands that the whole world abuses animals, not just Asians. Like, the dumb fucks that are being racist against Asians are not looking in the slaughterhouses of their own backyard. Where in the film did you, like, what statement or whatever in the film to you promotes hate against Asian people? Because when I watch the film, if anything, I think it just promotes disgust with humanity as a whole. Like, and how we need to leave animals the fuck alone. That's what I got from the film. 
Like, do you want people to not document the killing of the whales and stuff just because the people doing it happen to be Asian and we don't want to come off as anti-Asian? Are you for real? Come on. And please, please riddle me this. Did the film say white people need to stop eating seafood but everyone else can still eat seafood? Did the film say that? <laughs> no? Okay. I didn't fucking think so. The film said everyone needs to not eat seafood and everyone should be vegan. It didn't say only white people should be vegan. What the fuck would be the point of that? This film is made by animal rights activists, not just environmental activists. The goal is to help animals, which I don't know why you hate animals so much that your whole career is about killing animals, but that's another discussion. I just don't understand how you, you're pulling this. Oh my god. It's just one of the tactics. Because you can't argue with the ethics. You can't argue with the facts. Barely you can argue against the 2048 claim. Other than that, all the facts check out. So you're going to go with that it's, it's racist against Asians. Really? Oh fucking K. Oh fucking K. This documentary is trying to help human slave victims, many of which who are Asian, but it's racist against Asians. Oh fucking K. <laughs> Another point that the podcast people said was um, they're talking about the jobs, the jobs. Like I, I mentioned this before, so I don't have to say too much, but basically their argument is that employment makes it okay, um, which, you know, people used to be employed in many industries that are not ethical and it doesn't make them ethical just because someone's getting paid like you know just because industries are getting paid off of the backs of human slavery doesn't mean it's ethical just because it's a job like if someone was killing a farm of dogs that people do care about because they happen to be more cute to them that doesn't make it ethical because it's a job you know Doing sex trafficking of humans is a job, but that doesn't mean it's ethical. So this whole, like, just because it's a job, it does not mean it's ethical. Moving onward. They really tried to make it all about white people in this podcast, which is just, I don't even know. Like, the fact that that's what, ugh, whatever, whatever. Um, and also, you know, that people get high quality protein, you know, from seafood and from quote, sustainable fisheries that they, that they say are okay. Um, that's the same exact argument people use for eating meat. Like, you can get your protein from plants. End of discussion. It's not necessary. How do you morally justify the mass murder? Please, please, like, send me a voice memo explaining how you're morally justifying the mass murder when it's not necessary. They even tried to use this level one anti-vegan argument. They said something about they use every part of the animal when they were talking about beluga whales. Are you serious? So if a serial killer uses every part of the human, does that make it ethical? Come on. Come on. Come on. That's level one shit. Come on.
Um, their other point was that they edited interviews. Well, of course they edited interviews. Every documentary edits interviews. They only use the important clips. Like, what do you want? You know, what do you want? Um, and then another point they said was, it's not Plastic Coalition's job to do everything, so don't yell at them. Like, first of all, no one yelled at them. They just wanted to ask questions. Okay? You know, stop trying to act like the filmmakers are trying to get rid of Plastic Coalition. All they want them to do is add fish or fishing to what they do. Just, like, put it on their, like, it's not even, it takes five seconds just to put on their website, avoid seafood because fishing accounts for 46% of the plastic waste in the Pacific, um, whatever it's called, mass. Like, that takes five seconds to type that sentence and post it on their website. Why can't they do that? And who's yelling at them? <laughs> if they're a group that cares about plastic pollution in the ocean, why, why, literally, why would they have a problem doing that? Literally, why wouldn't they be interested in this topic and want to incorporate it into what they do with a very simple action of just putting it on their website? I don't understand the problem. <laughs> and then the next one of the problems that they had about the film was, OMG, they're filming out of permit. You should be like other films and talk about it without filming it because you're only doing that for shock value and self-gratification. Um, they're creating a narrative and being shady. Oops, sorry. Um, what? Because I'm pretty sure the people that are trying to hide the truth and not let people in to film what's happening are the ones being shady, but I don't know. <laughs> Again, legality does not equal morality. Like, if someone's, like, killing someone inside their house and you need to trespass onto their property in order to try and save that person, are you going to be like, well, the law says no trespassing and just like not save the person i mean really of all the crimes being discussed in this film you're worried about not having a filming permit really okay what narrative are they creating when they're literally filming what's happening before your eyes like what narrative it just it boggles my mind when you take the documentary Dominion where they left cameras in animal agriculture industries, slaughterhouses, dairy farms, whatever, and then they say that vegans are creating a narrative. Like, please enlighten me on how literally filming what's literally happening is a, happening is a narrative. Okay. They do admit on the podcast that Sea Shepherd is effective. So there you go. I want to throw that in there. Um, they also use livelihood and food security as an argument, um, and, you know, it, the definition of veganism is to be, you know, to not exploit and kill animals and be cruel to them as far as possible and practicable. So, by definition, if you live in a far-off place and you literally don't have any other choice but to eat fish, you can still be vegan by the definition, but that just doesn't apply to most of us, especially the ones that are talking about Seaspiracy and watching Seaspiracy. Um, and again, like, you know, livelihood, people used to have livelihoods of owning, 
human slaves in plantations in the U.S. That doesn't mean it's ethical, once again. And then they try to make an argument for the health benefits of seafood. They say, like, oh, health benefits of seafood, but without, like, providing any citation for that. Um, we already discussed earlier in this episode, we don't need animal products, and I provided resources for you on that. Um, and then they also say, sustainable seafood doesn't have any plastics. It's only a concern if you're, like, eating a massive shark. Um... I mean, as I read in your own paper, there's no guarantee of that. You know, there's no guarantee. Like, everything's not as monitored as you would like it to be. But either way, it doesn't matter because the fish don't want to be dragged out of the ocean and stabbed for a human that doesn't even need to eat them and is only doing it because of pleasure purpose. They all go on to claim that omegas and vitamins are in seafood and it's always been one of the healthiest foods without providing a source. Um, abundant, high quality protein that can solve malnourishment. Um, do you know what else can solve malnourishment and famine and world hunger and all that? If the world went vegan and if we stopped growing crops to feed to animals so that gluttonous, selfish people could kill them including fish that would help famine and malnourishment on this planet a lot more than continuing to fish and continuing to worsen the problem so next up they said that they cried or one of them at least cried during the graphic part which is where they were stabbing the whales and dolphins and stuff i have to wonder to myself are they crying because whales and dolphins are cute do they also cry when the fish are stabbed in the scenes of Dominion and stuff when they actually show the slaughter of tuna? Or do they only cry with the whales and dolphins? Let me know. Um, and then they said that they should bring up the heavy pollution of the whales and sharks and shocked that they weren't bringing it up, but surprised and happy. You're surprised and happy that they didn't bring up another issue about the pollution of the whales and sharks. Why, why, are you, why are you happy? Why are you happy? That's incredibly weird to me. It's almost like you're trying to hide the faults of your industry. Very interesting to like openly admit that you're happy that they didn't mention that. Very interesting. And then they argued that it was just an opportunity, ugh, sorry, an opportunity to bring up graphic footage. What does that even mean? Do you think that there's not a point behind bringing up graphic footage? It's to get people who don't have a fucking heart to hopefully have a heart and realize that their actions are causing mass murder and to maybe consider changing said actions. What else would be the point? And then they also missed the point, like they interviewed a fisherman or a whale killer over there or something, and they said... You kill the chicken, I kill the fish, what's the difference? And they were like, oh yeah, well at least they got his perspective in there. Um, they missed the whole point. The point of that is that it's all equally wrong. The point of that is not to say stop judging them and kill every animal. The point of that is saying that all of it's wrong and unnecessary. And, and it's a hypocritical thing to care about the dolphins and whales but not every other animal. But that point apparently went way over their heads. They're complaining about how graphic it was and how it was a ploy. Well, if you don't like the graphic nature of seafood, why the fuck are you still promoting seafood? 
Do you think that the same graphic footage is not also applicable to your, quote, sustainable fishing? Or is it just because those fish aren't as cute as whales and dolphins? Really ridiculous, honestly. Um, And then they go on to make the point that uh, for fishing observers, it's a hard job and sometimes they're women and they didn't show that they're women in the film. And I'm just sitting there like, what is your actual point? What is your point? (laughs) And they talked about how like women are on boats all alone with all these men and how that can be dangerous. And it's like, okay, what is your point? Because that sounds like a vegan argument to me. That sounds like a reason not to pay for this shit if you ask me. But okay. And then one of them said, this film has an animal activist approach I don't resonate with. Of course you don't resonate with it. You left Sea Shepherd because your taste of fish was more important than the life of fish. So of course you don't resonate with being kind to animals. Of course you don't. Then again, they made the point that the industry employs a lot of people and they didn't talk about socioeconomics. The point of the film was to talk about ethics, not employment and socioeconomics. I mean, when Blockbuster ceased to exist because society progressed past, you know, VHS tapes, (coughs) excuse me, there wasn't mass protest of like, what about the jobs? No, the people just got different jobs. That's what you're supposed to do when society progresses and your industry is not a thing anymore. It sucks. It's hard. But there are vegan groups who are willing to help people transition out of these industries because vegans actually fucking care, I'm sure more than you do, about the struggles of farmers and and fishermen and whatever who will have to make this major life transition. There's advocacy programs like at um, Rowdy Girl Sanctuary. They have a rancher advocacy program that helps ranchers transition out of cattle ranching and into like plant-based say oat milk industry instead like you know we're thinking about these things too but you don't just keep having an industry that has human slavery and commits mass slaughter going because of jobs though like enough already and then one of them go on to say i get annoyed because i love seafood i put in parentheses But I get annoyed when they say leave the ocean alone because we need to coexist with it. Um, Some people need it to survive and humans can intervene to help nature's issues. And then I put in parentheses that they caused in the first place. Um, So, you know, we went over a lot of this. Yes, human intervention is helpful to help the issues that they fucking caused in the first place. But that's a lot different than continuing to fish. That's, you know, intervention and not fishing. And you only get annoyed when they say leave the ocean alone because you have an extreme attachment to eating seafood to where your whole career and identity is intertwined with eating seafood. One of the women in this podcast said, I don't eat seafood anymore, you know, because she knows a lot of this stuff. But the host of the podcast's whole career is about promoting, quote, sustainable seafood. Because she got kicked out of Sea Shepherd and is holding a grudge and wants to prove that you can still eat seafood. Imagine being that attached to a fucking type of food that they both admit the vegan version tastes good and is satisfying for them. 
Imagine. I mean, imagine being a marine biologist and claiming to care about the ocean and about fish while promoting something that destroys it. Something that causes pain and suffering to the fish you claim to love. And I'm not judging because I used to be a horse rider while claiming to love horses. I went to Colorado State for equine science that harms horses, that breeds horses, which adds to horse suffering and all of that while claiming to be a horse lover. So I'm not judging, but I wish someone would have come up to me with criticisms the way I'm coming up to this woman with criticisms. It's not personal. It's not hate. It's just, hey, what you're doing doesn't really make sense. Let's work together and be kind to the animals moving forward. And they say, we rely on these resources, so let's coexist in a sustainable way. No the fuck we don't. Like, let the people on this world who actually do rely on these resources rely on these resources and let everyone else go vegan. Come on, we don't fucking need these resources. Stop lying. Stop lying. And then they go on and they're like, I'm worried about how it will affect small-scale fishermen and sustainable fishers and OMG, the comments online and how this is going to hurt them and OMG, I know fishermen and it's their identity and uh, it, is, it is sustainable. <laughs> um, I mean, I don't know. If you're in a business that society is realizing is unethical and needs to be left in the past, I'm sorry, but you have to figure it out and get a new livelihood. I know it sucks, but find a vegan organization to help you. Like, there are people who are willing to help you. You know? It's just, sorry, that's kind of how life is. I get it. My identity used to be intertwined with being a horse rider, a horse trainer. I thought horses were my passion. I thought horses were my life. I couldn't imagine life without them. Blah, blah, blah. And I'm... I gave it up and I'm literally fine. I'm literally happier now than I was before because I sleep really well at night knowing that I don't harm animals for fun. If you want to talk about harmful comments online, you should read some of the comments that vegans get. You know, I get told to go kill myself. I get told I'm a worthless piece of shit. I get told, you know, I should be punched. I should be shot. Um, that I get threats that people are going to kill me, that they're going to hurt me. <laughs> So, whatever. And then they go on to say that we have to retrain seafood restaurants on how to respond to questions. <laughs> you know, because people are going to ask seafood restaurants questions about, like, you know, the facts that they hear and see spiracy and stuff. And the restaurants are like, oh no, what do we do? And so that these people are saying, like, we need to retrain the seafood restaurants on how to respond to these questions. It's interesting that you have to train them on how to respond and that they can't just like respond with the truth. Interesting. Um, but anyway, and, and respond to the questions based on fishermen answers. Like they get a fisherman in there. They're saying they need to get fishermen into these restaurants to train these people on how to answer the questions based on like how the fishermen would answer them. So based on how the person making money and benefiting from this industry would answer them. Because that's definitely not going to be biased. <laughs> okay. Okay. You know, telling the truth is also another route, but whatever. Can't really do that because, you know, your fucking whole industry will collapse if you do that, right? And then they go on to make this point that 
Fishermen are proud of what they do. And that's awesome. They're feeding the world. They love it. It's dangerous. <laughs> they say how dangerous it is, but basically they're like, oh, well. They say they risk their lives because they love it. They love the ocean and they want to bring high quality protein to people. Okay, well, if they love the ocean, they should leave it the fuck alone and do something else related to the ocean that doesn't involve raping and pillaging it. And if they want to bring high quality protein to people, they should start bringing people like spirulina and <laughs> plant-based protein that actually is high quality. That doesn't cause our number one killers, heart disease, type 2 diabetes, cancers, lung diseases, brain disease, etc. <laughs> Come on. So as I already said, one of them admits they don't eat seafood anymore and they at one point quote, tried to go vegan, end quote, but fumbled because mom put shrimp in a meal and, you know, she's gonna still eat it, right? Because ethics go out the window if you don't want to upset mom, right? Um, and she admits vegan sushi filled her craving, but she would never tell people that fish is bad and just to do it local. Um, you can get fish off the boat, and I think that's great. It can be sustainable if you choose. There are well-managed fish farms. Uh, let's just find a new net that isn't as impactful when discarded or dis don't discard them at all. They just want people to go vegan instead of talk about, quote, other solutions. How the fuck are these solutions? You said it's just, it's classic anti-vegan nonsense. Local means nothing to the animal having their throat slit. Local often means nothing in general. The, the distance, the proximity in which you live compared to where the exploitation is happening doesn't mean anything except for maybe saving some gas and transporting the item. That's literally it. Um, it can be sustainable if you choose. Well, according to your own paper, that's not really very true or very realistic there are well-managed fishing farms okay these fish in the fishing farms eat other fish so please explain that please explain why we are farming animals when we don't need to and how you can well manage the enslavement and exploitation and murder of other sentient beings <laughs> um how is finding a new net that isn't as impactful a solution instead of just not fishing. Hello? <laughs> Hello? Um, how is going vegan not a solution? Come on. It's so obvious. Stop. And they, they admit that they don't know much about subsidies. That's pretty convenient. Um, but that they generally agree. Whatever that means. <laughs> okay, g get a load of this next little speech here um, from the, the host of this podcast. I eat fish sustainably, and it's better to tell them to do that than not to eat fish. Literally how. Doesn't explain. Just goes on to say, eating is deeply personal. Interjection. If eating involves a victim, it's not personal, by definition. But nice try. And no one has the right to tell people what they should be eating unless they are a doctor. So basically, she's a vegan hater. But as I discussed before, a vast majority of doctors don't take nutrition courses. So that's not even good advice. 
Vegans force people. Literally how? You're the one forcing a knife across a fish's throat and forcing destruction onto the ocean. Us telling the truth is not forcing shit. We're not holding a gun to people at the supermarket saying don't buy fish, buy the tofu instead. Literally stop. You can eat seafood and save the oceans at the same time. This is literally why I do it with what I do. My best advice is get to know your local fishermen if you live somewhere coastal. Okay, do you really think people are going to do that? Do you really think people are going to, quote, get to know their local fishermen? And what about the people who don't live local? What the fuck? Do you realize that buying vegan seafood products is literally so much easier than, quote, getting to know your local fishermen and asking questions about stuff that you don't, like, really know much about and, and hoping that they don't lie to you with their answers? Come on. Come on. It's more work to find out where the seafood's coming from and blah 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 and like learning all this stuff than it is to just go for things that say vegan on them. Hello. <laughs> it's so much easier. Um, they want to tell you the story of how they caught that fish. Oh, <laughs> this part's great. So get to know your local fishermen. They want to tell you the story of how they caught that fish and what it felt like for them to pull them out of the water. Is that not fucking creepy? Is that not fucking sick and psychopathic and demented? The serial killer wants to tell people how they murdered that human and how they put their head on the fucking pot on their stove and then ate the head. Like, who enjoys killing that much? Very fucking strange. Very strange. But apparently because they're fish, it's okay. Alright. Um... And then she says, do community-supported fisheries. You can do this at your grocery store by looking for species and where it was caught. But it's not always on the package, so ask people if you're worried about if it's sustainable. And if they can't answer, don't buy it. I would interject and say, what if they fucking just lie? What if they just say, yeah, it's sustainable at Whole Foods. And then meanwhile, it's like human slavery shrimp supply or something. You know they can just lie to you, right? <laughs> um especially if it's at a grocery store like whatever happened to oh, we go to the boat and get it off the boat like you're telling people just ask the grocery store person a question that's all you have to do okay <laughs> okay the grocery store where you know all of the meat is factory farmed and all of the animal products are factory farmed Okay, cool. <laughs> um, and then she says um, that she wants to push for increasing transparency and traceability. And I would interject, but not with how they're killed. You know, she doesn't want transparency and traceability with how, like, the seafood is killed. You know, because, like, OMG can't film that without a permit. And, like, you know, doesn't really care about transparency when it comes to that. Because, ooh, that's just graphic no one needs that graphic footage in their life right and then they really had the audacity to be like avocados and quinoa though cheese seeds and some nut milks are bad okay you can go vegan and not have avocados not have quinoa not have chia seeds and not have nut like whatever certain nut milks you're referring to which i'm assuming is almond because i know that it uses a lot of water 
Um, you know, I don't use these things except for quinoa and chia seeds and you know what, I'll do some more research into those. But I already don't buy avocados and my, my milk is oat milk so I'm fine there. Um, and then they recommend the documentary Sustainable and then they say, they have the audacity to say, you can eat a cow and be local and sustainable. Because that fucking matters to the cow when they're having their throat slit in the slaughterhouse that they're local, right? Um, you know, go to Earthling Ed to see how this whole local regenerative farming sustainable shit is bullshit. You know, how he debunks this Alan Savory nonsense. You know, people just like, eat the vegan meat. Get over it and just eat the vegan meat. You're... Stop trying to make up these fairy tales about how you can still murder and and do something that's patently bad for... I don't know if patently is the right word, but just obviously bad for the environment is is still okay to do. Like, no. Stop. And then my favorite point that they made. One of my favorites. Being vegan is a privilege. Not everyone can do it, and that doesn't make them bad. I would say that... Not being vegan because you've been told lies and you don't know the truth definitely doesn't make you a bad person. But I would say that when you know this much about what goes down and you still choose not to be vegan, that really does call your que- your character into question and your level of empathy and all of that. That really calls it into question. That's all I'm going to say. And they said that the documentary would be more productive if they were, quote, solutions-focused. They were solutions-focused. They presented the three solutions at the end with the call to action for, like, the, you know, the person watching to be to not eat seafood. It's easy not to eat seafood. There's alternatives that taste the same. It's a lot easier to do that than to go through this whole process of asking where your seafood comes from, which they said... It would be more productive if the documentary told viewers to do that. Bullshit. Because if the documentary told viewers to do that, people would be like, oh, but it's okay because not all seafood is like this. This is just the worst of the worst. And then they're just going to continue buying the same shit they always bought before. And maybe they'll ask their fish, their seafood guy one time and it'll be really awkward and they either won't have an answer or they'll give them some bullshit lie and then they'll just carry on with their life. And that's literally not changing any behavior. So fuck that. That's so ridiculous that you would think that that's more effective than telling people to go vegan. That's absurd. And then they mock fish feel pain. They literally say fish feel pain in a mocking voice. Because apparently making fun of cruelty and suffering of others is something that we should mock, right? Bravo. Great character there. And then they say, talking about the ethics of killing the animal is a completely separate documentary. And how dare they address it? And then they make zero attempt to address it themselves. Um, And then they go on to promote a book on how to ethically and sustainably eat from the oceans. And then they do recommend documentary that um, is further about the slavery aspect. And yeah, so, you know... If you want to, you can listen to their podcast, but I pretty much covered all of, like, their anti-seaspiracy points. It's pretty much 
you know, they say, you know, I'm a marine biologist and I know more than people, blah, blah, blah. I know more than the documentary filmmaker. But the only point that you actually somewhat could refute is the 2048 claim, which maybe that's why the fact sheet isn't up. Maybe they got a bunch of backlash about the 2048 claim and now they got to, like, update that. But if they get one fact not so right, but everything else is right, I just don't get why the fuck you're still eating seafood. I don't get it. And the 2048 claim doesn't matter because fish feel pain. And you yourself admitted you couldn't argue against the ethics. The ethics should be enough. The only reason, like, Cowspiracy and the Game Changers and what the hell... And Seaspiracy exists is because people are so goddamn fucking selfish that the ethics of the suffering animals is not enough to convince them, which is really concerning. But that's why these documentaries exist. Okay? End of the story. And you guys want to spend your time coming up with these attack plans of, like, you know, all these articles are out that are, like, if you go on Google, that are like, did Seaspiracy get the facts right? And it's just, you know, headline clickbait bullshit. Exactly, like, what that um, leaked document went over. They're just going through on the plan that they decided before even watching the film. They decided before even watching it that the facts were not accurate. And then when you go into, like, why they're not accurate, they don't have much to say. Besides level one anti-vegan nonsense arguments. But yeah, um, so that's pretty much all I have to say about these rebuttals. And if I find any like other rebuttals that are different in the future, or any problems with Seaspiracy or any things that actually are disproven in Seaspiracy, um, then I will bring them up in future episodes. So definitely wherever you're listening to the Stop the Violence podcast, I love you and thank you give it a follow. Um, you can also hear it on my YouTube channel, Alicia Demi, A-L-I-S-I-A space D-E-M-I. Subscribe to my channel and you'll get the podcast on there. Um, follow Stop the Violence podcast on Instagram for episode previews and reminders to see, you know, about a two-minute clip of like a preview of the episode to see if it's a topic in an episode you want to tune into or not. Um, and yeah, I do work hard on this podcast and I appreciate and love every single listener, whether you are vegan, non-vegan, anti-vegan, whatever. I do appreciate the listen. And if you are not a vegan, I commend your open-mindedness and willingness to listen to the other side. I think, you know, no matter what, we should all be listening to the other side. Um, we shouldn't just be in an echo chamber. Um, but yeah. Uh, I have more road trip vlogs coming on the YouTube channel, more just like my lifestyle vlogs. Um, I'm interested, outside of veganism, I'm interested in personal growth, dealing with ADHD, um, mental health, depression, um, drawing, activism. Oh, well, that's part of veganism, but other activism as well. Um, music, singing, nature, um, you know, moving to a no-phone lifestyle, mindfulness, um, more minimalism, happiness, and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, subscribe to my YouTube, and I hope you have a beautiful day. And if you're not yet vegan, 
watch Seaspiracy, of course, watch Dominion, listen to the TEDx talk, Every Argument Against Veganism, and Cosmic Skeptics TEDx talk about how non-vegan, uh, the non-veganness of this world causes pandemics. Yeah! Go vegan! Bye! But wait, there's more! <laughs> As I was just about to, like, save this thing and wrap it up, I saw that David Rams, who's a really good vegan YouTuber, just put out a video about uh, Seaspiracy being, quote, debunked, and I want to play a couple of clips from that real qu quick. Real quack. Seaspiracy is a major new documentary on Netflix that is blowing the roof off the seafood industry and the fishing industries, exposing the shit out of them. It'll blow your mind, so if you haven't watched it already, watch it. The seafood industry is not happy about this documentary. Let's take a look at their attempt to debunk it. Firstly, they were so mad about this documentary, they tried to debunk it before anyone had even seen it. There was a leaked document that revealed their strategy, which included sending letters to Netflix claiming that the documentary was dishonest and unacceptable, and accusing it of promoting propaganda over facts. No one had seen the documentary at this point, so how they knew that is... I don't know. It's magic. They even contacted restaurants and retailers in the seafood business, giving them friendly talking points to help them debate. Imagine being that desperate. What did their representatives have to say after watching the full two-hour documentary? Let's take a look. There is little concern Seaspiracy will be mistaken for anything but a vegan indoctrination movie. A vegan indoctrination movie. Immediately on the defensive. I wonder why. Maybe it's because your entire industry just got exposed to the world for the violent, disgusting industry that it is and now everyone knows you're abusing animals for nothing but profit the film begins yeah it's almost as if the lady on this podcast that i addressed is like was part of the email receipt group of like this game plan because she literally said the same thing about giving like these restaurants talking points on how to answer questions <laughs> it's so bad your industry is wiping out entire species of sea life all for profit, you sick fucks. The filmmakers can't help but slip in a vegan dog whistle. In describing fishing boats, they say, It became clear these vessels were more like floating slaughterhouses. What else would you call them? Floating honeymoon sweets? They then talk about the apparent lie that farmed salmon is dyed pink. The fish are fed specific food to turn them pink. As you describe on your own website, they're fed synthetic, as thin, and carotenoid pigments. As if that is the most important part of this documentary anyway okay check out david rams's video it's called seaspiracy debunked by the fishing industry all right i'm really gonna go now bye